Howdy, howdy. It's Gabe Garber. Welcome back to another edition of I Don't Know, my weekly therapy session, essentially. Uh, For anyone tuning in for the first time, this podcast is essentially an opportunity for me to stare out into the abyss and try to make sense of the senseless, specifically concepts that relate to the unknown and doubt and the role that that plays in in my life in a more general sense and in specific how that plays out in my creative pursuits and projects. So far, I've talked a lot in the first four episodes about a recent project that I just wrapped of creating beats once a day for a year. It was called BK Walla Beats. BK Walla being the pseudonym catch-all for my creative output I guess and yeah this this thing that I'm doing right now is still very fresh still very nebulous and as a result feels quite elusive each time I I sit down and kind of counterintuitively it seems to have gotten more difficult with each passing week to to have a sense of of what I'm doing here. I've even attempted to kind of formulate some ideas and themes that I I intend to touch on and it seems like the more I do that, the more difficult it is for me to actually get going. And yeah, I I'm I'm still kind of struggling with with what to make of that if there's anything to make of it at all. This week was no different. The last, I think the third week, episode three was the first attempt that really hit me that that it was going to be difficult and, and was quite a struggle. Last week, maybe a little bit less, but not enough that it gave me any sense of relief. And this week I actually had more themes, stuff that I was, you know, thinking about quite a bit and and seemingly ready to talk about and then once i sat down to attempt to do that i just couldn't seem to to latch on and it's a weird feeling especially as i'm in the process of doing it and in an effort to try to keep this organic and natural i'm just gonna go with it i guess and we'll we'll go from there I've gotten some feedback and and offering suggestions in terms of maybe kind of organizing thoughts and attempting to 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 string that together. And like I said a minute ago, I've I've attempted to do that and it seems like playing that out to the logical extreme, I could, you know, take the time ahead of time to kind of brainstorm and jot down ideas and I could theoretically write out an entire script and just follow it. However, that's never appealed to me, and that's not to say I couldn't do it, but at this point in time, it's not, it's not of interest to me to, to just create a static piece of content, I guess. And there's something about working through it and, and documenting that that I think is the 
underlying kind of motivation with this project. And so, yeah, I guess I've just been, I've been struggling to kind of catch the wave, I guess, so to speak, and, and hit the, hit the point where I just kind of feel like I'm, I'm in it and, and riding that wave. And yeah, I don't know if over time that might get easier. I think with the example of the Beats project, I have plenty of experience making music and a more thorough and robust understanding of music theory, although I'm, you know, far from any expert in that area. But it's it's something that is, there's a bit more of a safety net. I feel more secure within that realm, especially com- contrasted with with talking open-endedly with very little in terms of of specifics that I necessarily know what I want to talk about going into it. So again, like this, this is just kind of an experiment. And the thing that I think I've noticed playing out with each successive week is that there's the dynamic that the more I do of it, the more form it seems like it should take, the easier it should be, or easier it should become, I guess. And like I said, paradoxically, that so far has not seemed to be the case. I think maybe my expectations have outpaced me here. And again, this is this is just episode five. So still plenty, plenty of space to explore and room to grow. And yeah, so another example of just trying to trying to do it and not judge myself as much as I'm doing it. Pulling from from other creative activities and exercises that I've done in the past, I know that I have a tendency to find it difficult to separate the creation mind with the kind of judgmental mind or the editorial mindset. Especially writing or jotting things down, I think I'm always processing it back with the editorial frame concurrently with with trying to jot down the ideas and a lot of times that kills whatever momentum I might build up. I think it's more pronounced when I'm on the computer typing and and looking at the screen watching what I'm typing as I'm typing it. If I notice typos it's almost impossible for me to let them go. It takes a concerted effort to force myself to keep going no matter what. And that's always kind of perplexed me, especially understanding that, you know, I can commit to setting aside some time later to go back through whatever it is I've done and pick it apart then, you know, run it through the the editorial process after the fact. And I think that that's just always been a difficult thread to weave. And yeah, it's hard to disengage this, the editorial judgmental kind of side of my brain but yeah i guess it's a practice hopefully it'll get better it might be one of those things that i won't feel the difference but rather might notice the difference in retrospect and that seems to kind of be that seems to hold up based on other other projects i've done and and taken on and some of what i've spoken to thus far specifically with the beats and specifically the beats on the days that I didn't feel particularly connected to it or excited about it or enthused about it. And just recognizing that 
even though I didn't feel connected to it as much as I would like to, or as much as other days I might, that if I just stay committed to doing the practice and following through and revisit it in a different headspace, the quality there has typically been surprising. So this medium so far feels a little bit harder. Again, like like I'm saying, lack of a lack of a safety net that's been built up over over time. This is a less much less familiar medium for me to be documenting myself and maybe a bit too open-ended of a of a a small goal each time to easily hold myself to it. So I think that's that's one of the things with with doubt and with the unknown is that it's important to explore, but it's easy to drift too far out, I guess, and lose your your bearing if you go too far afield. And with this being a new a new practice, a new attempt at something else that I'm not familiar with, pretty much all of it is is beyond my familiarity. And hearing my voice and seeing my face as this is happening, there's plenty of information to process in real time as I'm saying it. So part of that, I think, is just, again, with the practice, I will develop different tools to kind of work around that or mitigate those those habits, those editorial patterns, and hopefully over time get better at getting out of my own way. So... Yeah, I guess the concept that I have been playing around with this week in my head and wanting to talk about, but not wanting to define it too specifically yet, at least, is commitment and how how that kind of fits into the relationship with the unknown. And obviously, I've talked extensively about the beats for for the regular listeners out there. You can breathe a sigh of relief. That example is less salient here, so I'll be giving it a bit of a break. But for those of you who liked it, I'm sure I will talk about it again at some point, possibly even within the next few minutes. Who knows? But yeah, a few of the things, examples that I I thought about was kind of like this idea, especially just thinking back to when you're a kid, ask what your goals are, what you want to be when you grow up kind of a thing. And I'm not sure what led me to, to the conclusion of, of thinking about commitment in this way, but pulling from my own experience, I know I've, I've always been pretty uncertain about that, the, the what I want to do, what I want to be. There's, there's plenty of passions that I've pursued, and, and I think those show, if, if anyone takes a, a, a chance to, to look through what I've done, um, whether or not I, I make it easy to to find that stuff is an entirely another thing. So that notwithstanding, it's always been kind of a little bit elusive or or unrelatable to me when when people are very certain early on of what they want to be when they grow up. And to the extent that they're able to commit to that, it's yeah, my the main example that I'm thinking of is I know my sister from very young knew that she wanted to be a teacher. And pretty much making that decision that early on 
and and grappling with it, understanding it, accepting it, committing to it was ultimately what I think it, it maybe eliminated certain pathways that would have led to or would have would have given given her some resistance towards that path. And I think one of the main features that I wanted to explore with that commitment a- angle is that in order to do that, there's also something kind of connected with the idea of surrendering. And in this sense, the more you, you know, consider and research and get to know the ins and outs, the parameters of, of what you're committing to, the easier it is to let go of a lot of the the tiny things, the the small decisions that you might make or be be faced with at any point in time during your life. If if you know and are committed to a path and that path continues to resonate with you, or at the very least a a better path has yet to illuminate itself to you, then to the extent that you're you're able to commit to that and and surrender to that commitment, then then that eliminates a lot of difficult choices from what's put in front of you. And I'd be lying if I said I that never made me feel a bit jealous to be able to relate to that or to be able to feel that sense of of commitment deep enough that all things are viewed through that single lens. But I think that's maybe some of the beauty of of the of the power of commitment if that makes sense in that you're allowing something else you're you're able to offload some of those minor choices or seemingly minor whereas if if there's if you're guided by nothing at all then every every instance that you're faced with a decision the weight of that decision is present at every moment whereas a commitment to something and essentially letting go of the reins or, or letting that commitment make the decision, or at least letting that commitment be the lens through which you view choices that you have to make. It stands to to guide you in a way that, again, is just hasn't been the most relatable for me or accessible, maybe. And yeah, it, it brought up another example of, of there was definitely a period of time where I was putting musical pursuits on the back burner and had been for for some time, moved to Bloomington, Indiana, and very little about my existence in in that world at the time had anything to do with music. I wasn't, it wasn't apparent to, to anybody who met me within that period of time that I was musically talented or, or yeah, had, had those aspirations in any way, shape or form. And a friend of mine who had known me from, from before then and a mutual friend of ours who I met in that time period were getting drinks or something. We were, you know, I think, I mean, we all worked together in different places. So I think it was a situation where we were all together in one of our workplaces and my old buddy mentioned something about me being musician and the new friend my our mutual friend was surprised by it uh, this was a brand new revelation for him and my old buddy was shook by it like almost maybe even offended that someone could have a view of of an idea of who i was that that didn't incorporate something musical and i don't i yeah i think 
it stood out to me that he was visibly kind of shaken by it. But I think it stuck with me because to me, it made perfect sense. Again, like if I had been committing, actively committed to to pursuing that path, then maybe that would have been more surprising to, to meet someone or to, to know someone for a while and have them completely in the dark about some aspect of my life that I'm, you know, largely committed to be like a married person, you know, meeting someone and after knowing them for a year, this new friend not knowing anything or not even realizing that they were married or knowing anything about this commitment that that person's made. And yeah, so it, to me, it stuck with me because it was just like evidence that I had let go on that commitment to some extent for some amount of time. And obviously there's plenty to be said about giving yourself grace and letting letting yourself take some, some wayward paths, I guess, or explore new things. And that's how we grow. But to the extent that something is a deep enough thing that one might commit to it, the emergence of a pattern of multiple steps off the path is a, a a tricky a tricky pattern to to handle because at a certain point if you're still holding on to that commitment but not upholding it in your actions and behaviors then that just feels like a recipe for a a very cloudy ungrounded existence and yeah that example was for whatever reason, it stuck with me and it was popping up this week about it. But just thinking about how, you know, taking the taking the leap into a commitment is also a decision that shouldn't be made lightly. And, you know, I think to the extent that we're able to gather information ahead of time, kind of get a sense for what that commitment would entail and, and establish the parameters for that, that should only, only stand to, to benefit someone that said i don't know i don't think it can be overstated enough and obviously it's a point that i've hit on time and time again it's the central theme to this podcast show that there's no escaping doubt and unknown there's there's yeah it's it's inevitable it's always around the corner and i guess i'm interested here to explore that idea because it's the commitment is kind of a choice to prepare yourself in spite of the unknown or in the face of the unknown. It, it gives you something of a foundation to fall back on or to, to continue to push yourself forward when, when you're faced with whatever the challenge may be. And I would, I would venture a guess that very few people set out to achieve a goal and do so with zero resistance and zero challenges and zero adversity. But the value of the commitment is is holding to it in the face of that adversity and getting through. Yeah, so I think a few examples that, that I was dwelling on that, that really bring this home, and it's stuff that I've wanted to talk about at some point here, and now I guess is as good of time as any. And I can just do a little bullet point now and maybe dive in as I see fit, but in January or February, early 2018, I attended my first 10-day silent Vipassana meditation retreat, and for anyone who's done those, 
I don't really need to say anything. You have your own experience to draw from. For anyone who hasn't done that, it's almost pointless to try to explain it anyway because it's it's a very hard thing to express. And it's always been comical. I, I sat another one about, yeah, this time last year. It was my second. And anything I thought I knew from the first time, I don't want to say it didn't apply, but it, it applied in ways that I wasn't ready for. The, the challenges that I was expecting maybe came up, but came up in a, a new form that made it so that it felt like a brand new challenge. And yeah, I, w- I was even struck at the end of, so essentially, yeah, you get there on day zero. So it's essentially, it's 10 days, but it's 11 or 12, really, once you factor in the, the day you arrive, and then you have an orientation that evening and sit in the hall for your first group sitting. And after that, there's no talking till the end of the 10 days. And yeah, I don't think until you've done it, there's a way to truly conjure in, in your in your mind what 10 days of silence can really do to you. Yeah, so I lost count of times I, I thought, you know, within that, that first 10 days, you lose time or you lose count of, of the challenges. And the one thing I knew from the beginning was like I had set aside this time and put out the intention of completing it no matter what. So I had committed to that. I had done a little bit of research, but again, it doesn't really matter how much research you do. The challenges that will come are going to be the challenges that come. And there's not really anything you can do to prepare for that. And I think that's kind of the point. But there were plenty of times amid that first 10-day retreat that I was just like, am I going to make it? Am I like, do should I, do I leave? The question certainly came up, but the willingness to cave to that was thwarted by the level of the commitment that I had made up front. And yeah, I made it through. And part of the, the paradoxical thing about it, which I think contributes to the richness of the experience is that when you're in it, that 10 days feels like 10,000 years. And once it was over, that 10 days felt like 10 seconds. It's really hard to describe because obviously it's just 10 days, but, but the, the abyss in those moments is, is very real and very expansive. And there's, there's a whole lot of, of darkness that, that you're kind of forced to explore within yourself when, when you can't communicate with other people. And there is, there is like on the, on the 10th day after the morning meditation, they do allow for some communication to resume to kind of help transition back into the real world. And I've got to say, that's a very helpful, helpful thing to have because yeah, jumping, jumping from that right into everyday life would be shocking to say the least. But the one thing I noticed was, was the minute communication was introduced back into our group the ability for all of us to kind of maintain composure and and focus and attention within the remaining sessions uh, of meditating where our ability was just diminished almost almost at the at the point of yeah i don't want to say it was worthless but because it was it was illuminating and and that was one of the big takeaways from that first session was how reincorporating some social dynamics into the the group of people that you've spent you know a week and a half with 
very in very close quarters, very, you know, vulnerable states, but without any ability to express similar experiences. Once that opened up and we were able to communicate and express amongst ourselves, the the social element of being there was much more apparent. And yeah, I, I just remember one of the last group sets that we had, there were, it was, I mean, a perfectly quiet room, but just hearing stomachs gargling and bodily noises, which is par for the course for all 10 days. And everyone, just speaking of composure, that was never an issue during the week but once we once we broke our silence and were able to communicate and make connections and and there was this recognition or acknowledgement of you know we we're all people we're all socially linked now that we're communicating in a way that we haven't been up till now the the room just kind of slowly but surely broke out into chuckling which led into a few fits of of uncontrollable laughter where yeah, I couldn't help but imagine that the introduction of, of communication among the group was one of the main factors there. And I mean, that's kind of a tangential thing, but the the second retreat that I sat, it was almost two years had passed since my first one, and, and I hadn't done the most consistent job of maintaining that practice outside of the retreat. So I was a little bit not reluctant. I was excited to get back to a, a setting that really facilitated and, and demanded uh, a strict adherence to the practice. And so there was, yeah, there was some hesitance or at least some concern going in that maybe, you know, it would be, maybe it would be tougher, maybe it would be easier. But at the very least, I knew from the previous experience that I had proven to myself, and I had that memory of having done it originally, that the second time around, at the very least, I know I can do this. And so I think with that, I expected there maybe to be a little bit more of an easy time of it, just from there being less unknowns. And I kind of realized through the through the experience of doing it again that it's not necessarily that there's less unknowns or the or the the unknowns, the type of unknown that there's fewer of as a result of having done it before are not the same types of unknowns that are are deep and profound. And so the second retreat where I had the the comfort of of the knowledge of having the the ability to do it that that comfort didn't stand a chance against the 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 bottomless pit of that abyss. So the unknown that you're dealing with there is an entirely different type than than kind of the superficial surface level concerns and it was just interesting they they place all the old students they call them uh, anybody who's sat at least one retreat is an old student of the practice but they sat all of us at the front of the room and in my first retreat i was in the very back of the room you're not supposed to open your eyes you're not supposed to look around i think that's that's meant to to keep any comparison from entering your mindset but it's from anecdotal evidence from from talking to everybody first time and second time it's everybody seems to 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 cave at some point open their eyes and look around and my takeaway the first time was was looking to the front of the class seeing the old students just sitting perfectly still even though i was in a lot of physical pain contrary to popular belief sitting absolutely still for hours at a time is not comfortable and is not easy 
But so I had that that kind of guidance from the old students in the front of the room on my first time around. The second time I was in the front of the room, there was one row ahead of me and the guy seated right next to me was also his second time. And immediately after our our final session of, of silence, when we left the meditation hall, I was right next to him. We were walking out together, and and the first words that either of us uttered was, "It was." He said to me, "Well, that was a doozy, huh?" And yeah, it just we obviously expanded on that throughout the rest of the time there. But we both had the similar experience of just coming in with a confidence from having done it the first time, and yet we're both kind of blindsided by the the kind of never-ending supply of doubt that creeps in, and and. Any, any amount of confidence just pales in comparison to what is on tap and available on, on the side of, of the unknown. And so we're both talking about this, and then we're approached by, by one of the new students. It was his first time. And meanwhile, we're both, we're both chatting about how difficult and, and painful this was, even though we kind of knew what we were getting into and and about the the kind of funny nature of how even though it was something brand new or not new to us, the yeah, the bottomlessness of of the unknown gave us plenty of of brand new experiences of struggle within that practice. We're talking about all this, and one of the new students who who just completed his first time came up and and told us how nice it was to have the two of us seated in front of him to guide him and you know we were we were apparently exemplifying just great levels of of self-control and and tolerance and calm and yeah it just it struck us both because we're 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 both in the middle of talking about how how excruciating this experience was and and so again this that comparison idea of you know you see someone else and you when you're suffering and you look out and you see people it doesn't look like they're suffering and in this situation it's it's hard to tell but if you if you're suffering within it's easy to project that out or or just to be like i i'm assuming that they're doing better than me i i don't know that that's again kind of tangentially going off from it something i might explore further on later but I guess ultimately just with that, it, the point here is just that that commitment the second time around was, was rooted in, in a much more researched position going in. I, I felt like I understood what I was getting into more the second time around. And I felt a sense of security with having that in conjunction with the commitment of doing it again, of setting 10 days. And the security angle... It's a tricky one because it's just, it's always an illusion. There's, again, going back to that, the the types of uncertainties or, or types of doubt or, or fear or whatever. I wasn't worried about these other things going in, but that didn't matter. So any amount of security or, or comfort or confidence that I had, like I said, was no match for the vast expanse of the abyss that's facing you in any moment when you shed everything and and surrender to that commitment. And so I think, yeah, it's it's a challenging thing. I feel like the commitment is, it could be easy to put too much stock into having made the commitment to whatever it is, if it's a project, if it's a, a trip, a whatever, 
the decision to commit is not a one-time thing. It is constantly challenged, and whatever that challenge may be, you're faced with an opportunity to, I guess, reevaluate the commitment. And from these experiences, I guess, specifically, I'm not even touching the other ones that I wanted to talk on, but the idea that once that challenge comes up, then, then you're left in a position of, well, do I stick with this thing that I committed to, or do I abandon it, or, or just reevaluate it, renegotiate it, change some of the parameters? What do I do now? And again, going into the preparedness, if, if you, maybe it's less about research and more about explicitly defining what you're committing to. I feel like, yeah, that feels like a little bit more central to the point. So it's maybe less about what to expect from the commitment, but realizing what you're committing to and understanding that there will always be challenges that come up. So to wrap it back up and bring back the beats, it, I I'd said it wasn't a great example, specifically because at the onset of it, I, I, I didn't make a conscious decision at the very start to say, hey, I'm going to do this for a year. I just decided to do it and start doing it and do it every day indefinitely. And then over the course of time, I thought, well, maybe I'll do it until I reach X amount of beats. And then the longer I kept doing it, the idea of wrapping it at the year mark felt like a good a good place to wrap it up. But still, there were parameters that I set from the beginning that helped anchor me when, when those challenges came up to know that I had this kind of firm idea of what I had committed to, to fall back onto and to trust or, or, you know, when a challenge came up, it wasn't like I was giving up the entire project, but instead it was like, okay, well, what, let's remember what the project was and whittle it down to exactly what it is that I, I set out to do. And if I can fulfill those parameters of the project right now, if I can find a way to do that, then that's great. And and yeah, with the Beats project, that was more often than not an accessible target for me to aim for, even on the worst days. And it's one thing that's been challenging here. Like I said, I, I think the kind of central thesis of this podcast being the unknown and not knowing isn't really giving me a whole lot of firm ground to stand on at any point in time. So when the challenges come up, there's not really a clear combination of parameters to fall back on or to to rely on to be able to fall back on and so yeah i don't know and as is usually the case i'm i i seem to have hit a wall but it's at a point that seems to be a useful stopping point and so maybe in in wrapping up the rest of it i'll be able to wrap it up more more succinctly but yeah so a few other things just planting more seeds to to tend to in the future um and i can wrap this back in at a later date but one of the examples of the commitment and the unexpected challenges within that commitment within following through with it it was another kind of adventure trip that that in spring early summer of 2019 I walked the Camino de Santiago in Spain, so from like southwest tip of France to Santiago de Compostela in northwest Spain. And I actually extended it a few days and walked an extra 50 or 60 miles to get to the westernmost coast of Spain. 
So this was all told about 500, 560 miles total walked over about a month, a little over a month. And yeah, I'll leave the specific details of the challenges faced there for another time. But definitely another example of committing to something and facing challenges that no amount of research or preparation could have prepared me for. And relying on the commitment to double down, essentially, and and use that as my springboard moving forward to, to push through and to, to persevere. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, another just general topic for future discussion that I'm surprised that it hasn't come up really at all yet. This is one that there's less of a choice of commitment, but one that's kind of thrust on you, and that's psychedelics. So having a handful of, of experiences under my belt, there is something about, you know, essentially the, the act of commitment is the choice to, to, to do this thing. And the dichotomy between commitment and surrendering is really illuminated within those journeys, within that experience of any kind of psychedelic experience. Because once you're, once you're there, you might fight it as it's, as it's taking hold, but, but there's no, there's no doubt that you're gonna be on a, on a wave. And it's, it's just kind of whether or not you take the approach of, of being up for it and remembering having some way to access or just feeling very resolute and, and, and firm in the understanding that you chose to do this, that does everything for you to kind of help propel you past the, the challenging nature of it and back into a realm where it's a tolerable experience at the, at the least, and sometimes a, a euphoric or very deeply insightful and rich experience at best. But yeah, those can be further explored down the road. Thanks for bearing with me. This one's a longer one. Hopefully it's a little bit more concise. I felt a little bit more lucid and, and here for it than I thought I would. I made an attempt earlier at it and several attempts, to be honest, and kept getting thrown off the surfboard, I guess, so to speak. So still don't know. That's uh, always the takeaway. Yeah. So thanks again for tuning in. I'm Gabe Garber. Feel free to check everything out. It's up on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you like it and are listening to podcasts, leave a rating or whatever, review, whatever those are called. Supposedly that helps. Helps what? I don't know. Is it even something that I care to be helped with? I don't know either. That's, I think, part of that, like I said, the parameters for this project are are still quite unclear. And I guess the challenge I'm facing is learning how to be all right with that. So I'll just wrap up. I've got one other thing I started in place of the BK Walla Beats. I've started doing just some design artwork that has been a little bit of a practice doing that a little bit here and there every day. That's at BK Walla on Instagram is where all of that's landing. And that's just because it's the easiest for now. And yeah, again, YouTube is where this will be as well as wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm, I'm considering maybe moving away from the video element just because I'm able to do a little bit more work after the fact with the audio. And that's kind of within my wheelhouse already. And yeah, doing the same thing with the video might be more than I'm willing to bite off right now, but we will see. This will be going up video and audio. So 
if I make that change, I will let you know. But again, thanks so much for tuning in. I will be back hopefully next week and hopefully in okay spirits. We'll see. I'm Gabe Garber and this is I Don't Know. I realized I did the wrong sign off and I gotta fix that. So you're getting a, a fresh edit here, but yes, I'm Gabe Garber and I still don't know.